Hello, my name is Xavier Mercado, and this is Spearhead Conversations. Today, I'm joined by special guest, Sister McCannon Brown. Sister McCannon Brown has founded the McCannon Brown Homeless Sanctuary here in Milwaukee. For over 30 years, she's been helping homelessness here. You know, we go through rough patches through life, and we need that beacon of light sometimes. And uh, she is definitely one that has invested all her time. Uh, I am proud to say she is with me today. So without further ado, how are you doing, Sister McKenna Brown? I'm very, very well and blessed. And what a joy to meet you yeah. and to be with you. Awesome. So um, how's, uh, how's everything going today? I, I see that uh, today we, we served 70, over 70 people? Over 70 people. 70 people signed in, but signed. some of them were from households of six or more. So you can... Triple yeah. that, oh. yes. And it went very well, and we had adequate. We did not run out. Yes. We provided a week's supply of food and numerous other essentials. That is awesome, you know. Um, like I said, uh, this, hits, uh, this hits, for me, home a little bit because um, I've had my, I had my rough patch in, in life, and uh, in my late teens, early uh, 20s, I was, I was homeless. And... Uh, you know, I know if I had found out about this place, it would have been, it would have been a safe haven for me. But I, I appreciate, you know, since I've heard your story, since I've, you know, did my research and, and looked up on this, um, this sanctuary, I've, I've been nothing short of amazed. So, um, yeah, thank you for joining me today. And uh, with that, let's jump in. I'm so, with you. So, Sister McKenna Brown, where were you born? I was born in Central Iowa. Central Iowa, awesome. And and how was that time during in Central Iowa? Were you, did you, would that be more like um, farming or? No, I'm no? from a, a parsonage. I was born into a family <clears throat> of clergy, Protestant clergy. So oh, wow. my father and my grandfather and my great grandfather, one of them, uh, were all clergy, Protestant clergy. And I was a daughter of three generations of Protestants. Oh, wow. The legacy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it, <clears throat> in the years that I was a child, yeah. that was an all-white culture. Now, in more recent decades, there was a major influx of Latino people into Iowa, but yeah. not, you know, pretty recently. But yeah. at the time I was a child... There were only a few African Americans in Iowa at all, oh my. and so I was in a small town. But I came home from church one day, and we had sung the song, yeah. "Red and Yellow, Black and White, They Are Precious in My Sight." Jesus loves the little children of the world. I was four, and I demanded to know from my parents, "What does that mean? Does that mean there's children other colors than me?" Because all I saw was white people. Yes. Yes. But I had this burning desire to know at the age of four. Yeah. Does that mean there's children other colors than me? Yeah. And they said, yes. Yeah. And I said, I got to see them. I, I wouldn't shut up yeah. until they took me to Des Moines and showed me people who were other colors. Oh. So when I look back at that, being so young yeah. and knowing as life unfolded, I've had this love of people of African descent. I've had that since childhood. Yes. That's a gift, you know. 
mm-hmm. but I, I believe that at that early age, I saw that that diversity was missing from my life. Yes. And diversity is really important, you know. We are a diverse human race. Yeah. And so, so yeah. I think I knew something was missing even at the age of four. So with this type of mindset, you know, so you blessed is so young to, you know, take that in and, and realize <laughs> that. Um, how was your childhood growing up? Then it was boot camp for yeah. what I do now. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, <clears throat> what type of hobbies were you into? What, what, what you know, I can, I can definitely feel that this has been a lifelong journey for you, mm-hmm. you know, in the work that you do. But uh, what were the type of things you were into growing up? <clears throat> Music was one, but there was always this discovery about people. Yeah. Always, you know, that just, it kind of unfolded and the path kind of unfolded. There was just evidence here and there that this yeah. would eventually be the life I would lead. Looking back, I mean, at the time it wasn't clear, but looking back now, there were those moments that were like almost foretelling. Yes. Yeah. So at, at what age did it uh, become clear that this lifelong pursuit of helping others was what you you had a passion for? It was a waking, waking up time in 1992 when I had moved here yeah. with an arts career in mind, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden God had a plan B for me and it was a path, and it was clearly a path opened up, not by my doing, yeah. but it was God saying, forget what you had in mind when you came here. Yeah. This is what you will be doing. So all of a sudden, everything was about homelessness and poverty, and everything was about service, and everything led to this path then. So it was yeah. external for me, I did not create yeah. it. It was there for me. Yeah. And that's when I took a look, got the reality of it, and said, I get it. So you, you moved here in? 1986. Okay. But in 1992 is when clearly a path opened up mm-hmm. for me. And through this path, uh, you, I always say, you know, mentors are the, the best blessings in life, influences of a... A type of positivity. Um, who were your mentors and influences when you took on this path? There were many, and most of my real, real teachers were the very people that I was in in community with as serving. Yeah, many of them were what we would say our guests, but they were because we're a community. In every part of my work, we create community. Mm-hmm. And so it would be often the homeless people themselves or the people being served by the organization I lead yeah. as my main teachers. Awesome. Yeah, that's it's a blessing. Um, you were a part of another organization before you had uh, founded uh, McCann and Brown's Homeless Sanctuary. Right. I was actually with that one. I was a co-founder yep. and was with that for 22 years parted ways in 2013. What was it called? The Repairs of the Breach. Okay. But in that time, developed a very unique model Mm -hmm. and had a vision with that. 
so that when I parted ways, then an, this organization was formed, the McCannon Brown Homeless Sanctuary. It was not my idea. People say I'm a founder, but it was not. There was other people close to me that said her work needs to continue, that yes. Milwaukee needs this, this special model yes. that is being delivered here. And they put my name on it against my wishes. Uh, they overruled me. But um, this is, um, it was prophetic on their part because we began with no money and, I mean, no financial resources, no human resources, just the name, yeah. the model, the vision, the licensing, yeah. the tiny board of directors. And you came in the doors here. You've seen what is yeah. in nine years what has been happening. I, I, you know, got the, the tour of the building. I think it's, it's, it's beautiful, you know, with me. It took 32 years to snap out of a way of waking up every day and doing the same thing. And with that came this, this idea, kind of like the McCann and Brown. This was all an idea at one point, and it was a vision. And, and just having that vision, feeling so strong in belief, yeah. um, the consistency grew into something that has now, you know, in my eyes, taken off for the better good. And I see that with the McCann and Brown Sanctuary here. Um, you know, just the, the symbolic references that connect to the community, yeah. I think is special. You know, you have, love is a universal language. Yes. And um, under it, we, we as people could get so much further. Um, but we, you know, it's, it's not always like that. But to have these little beacons like what you're doing here, um, when did you found the McCann and Brown Homeless Sanctuary? Well, like I said, it was, an, it was not my idea. It yeah, was yeah. people. Yeah, so yeah. Um, that happened in 2014. 14. All in right. In April of 2014. And so we're almost nine years, you know, about what we're doing. Yeah. What are um, core values of, of the McCann and Brown Homeless Sanctuary? Community. Solidarity. Yeah. And I, I just, we did a little bit of sharing before mm -hmm. this began about how we see all of us, our brothers and sisters. Yes. That the differences don't matter. And in this very divided city, mm -hmm. this is the most hyper-segregated neighborhood in Wisconsin where we are located. And that is because of racial yep. discrimination. Mm -hmm. And what we have been able to do here and continue to do here is to role model to Milwaukee and Wisconsin and whoever wants to look, that it is possible to have privileged and underprivileged people working together in compassionate work as one, no one better than anyone else, no one here to fix another person because we all agree, we all yeah. have issues, but in a oneness where there's love, at a time where there's so much hate in our society. But here, we're like this oasis because we have the volunteers and staff coming from Grafton and Waukesha and wow. New Berlin and the east side and 
um, all from all parts of the suburbs. Yeah. And we have the people of the neighborhood here who are, you know, all homeless, at-risk homeless people. Yeah. And we have them together as volunteers, mm-hmm. as equals with love. Yeah. And we have them on staff and we have them in this community, all of them together. Mm-hmm. For instance, our our staff is 17 part-time employees, including me. That's yeah. kind, of, kind of a joke. But of our 17 part-time employees, eight of them mm-hmm. have gone through homelessness and hardship because we actually have a staff, paid staff, some of the people who came through here as guests yeah. to get services then became volunteers mm-hmm. and now are on as paid staff. So we have about half of our staff is yeah. formerly homeless or people gone through hardship. So, so that's what we yeah. do, mm-hmm. and that's who we are. We are the living demonstration of how the world really needs to be, where differences don't matter and where oneness matters. Yes. And, and to really get who we are mm-hmm. is to redefine homelessness. So if you'll bear with me, I'll unpack, sure. I'll unpack that a little bit. Yes. Because people want to put it in two boxes. They want one box is, the, is for people who are going through homelessness and one box people going through poverty. Not so because... The people who are going through poverty or living in poverty are in and out of homelessness all the time. Anyone who's read the famous book, The Evicted Book, that was the New York Times bestseller, which was about Milwaukee, it shows people are are homeless and not homeless and homeless if they're living in poverty in Milwaukee. And so homelessness can look like on the streets, living in cars, we have all this. People in our lines here, homelessness can look like people living in abandoned buildings, living in vehicles, living in bushes behind a building, living in basements, living in alleys, you know, all of those situations, living in shelters, but a very small percentage of people who are homeless prefer to live in shelters. Most prefer not Mm -hmm. to. In this neighborhood where we're located, Yes has the most concentration of what is called doubled-up homelessness in Wisconsin. Doubled-up homelessness is homelessness, but people live under a roof, many of them crowded together. Maybe someone's paying rent, maybe no one's paying rent, but the sanitary conditions and the mental health conditions are not good, Mm -hmm. but they're crowded together. It's called doubled-up homelessness. That's what we have a lot of here. So they're not like out in the elements, they're under a roof, but it is homelessness nonetheless. So we just, the people living in poverty and the people living in what we would say all these different homeless situations are one big population. They are not two categories. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And so there's thousands and thousands and thousands. You cannot count the homeless people in Milwaukee. There's thousands mm-hmm. of people in those kind of blurry lines. Yes. How how do how do you feel you've managed to bring so many? You have seventeen volunteers. You said staff, paid staff, staff, paid staff. We have about eighty volunteers active. Oh, wow. How how 
how do you feel you've managed to bring all these people together for this specific cause? What, what, what do you think is the greatest influence of, of, this, of your vision? Something beyond me. Mm-hmm. There's something here going on that is beyond myself. I've been aware of it from the start when miracle happened after miracle. The purchase of this building was totally out of reach. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it became possible. When it rained the, a few months later, yeah. we found out we had to replace the entire roof. We were just so small. We yeah. had hardly any resources. It was going to cost at least 94000 to do that. Oh my. And there is no way we could do any other construction in this building mm-hmm. unless we fixed the roof. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But someone came out of the blue and said, don't worry about it. We've got the roof. Paid 130000 made the roof possible. So it was at that point when I began to realize there was something happening here that was beyond me, beyond mm-hmm. the, the surface of things. Because yeah. one by one, yeah. people showed up to say, how can I help? And often they had the credentials and the expertise we needed right there. You know, yeah. it's just like one after the other. When I said, because this is a huge building, as you see, yeah. I mean, it's a monster of a building. Mm-hmm. Many people said when we bought this building, many people told me later they thought I was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it clearly was the building we were to purchase. And when when we began to, um, I, I said uh, in, our, in my prayer, I said, big assignment. I get it. Big assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't do this alone. Who's going to help me? But then one by one, they all came people together. came forward saying, how can I help? And as people who have a yes in their hearts, you know, they are already in a conversation with God about what can I do more yeah. to make a difference. They already had the yes there. They were just waiting for the opportunity. I have to ask, in the beginning of this journey, was there any type of educational background to to the work that you do now? Or this was you just stepped into this journey of helping others and it's blossomed into what it's blossomed? You ask good questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my upbringing was boot camp mm-hmm. because my parents were 24-7. They didn't differentiate between... Yeah. privileged people or like a senator they treated a senator just the same as yep. they treated a prostitute you know yeah. they they treated everyone with love and dignity yep. so that was that was my upbringing it had a lot to do with giving me some of the skills and the the ways to be with this yeah but there's nobody i have role models of course i I have role models, mm-hmm. but no one, not Dr. King, not Mother Teresa, not, there's no one that has ever done this kind of work in a pandemic situation yeah. that, that, 
you know, no one has done like with the prevalence of fentanyl and yeah. there's there's no handbook like how to do this for dummies. There's no yeah, yeah. So you just what you try to do is you know, what I try to do is really tune into the realities, listen to people and to be in prayer, uh, to be the continuity. You know, yeah. as as the leader I'm the continuity. And and so that's mainly, you know, being in touch with all those things. I've had some amazing and I have some amazing influences on my life who are really like yeah. guiding lights to me. Mm-hmm. And and um I'm blessed with that. I have a number of people who are I very much look to as guiding lights, but no one has has the chart. Has the <laughs> blueprint, yeah. No one has the blueprint. Yeah. So it's just a matter of we we find our way. We yeah. find our way. And amazing things have been happening just one after the other as we do this. It's I can't say I did it because lightning would strike me down. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd turn into a pile of dust. Because it is a we, it's a collective. Many people praying with what we're doing, many people doing, giving all kinds of energy and resources and time and hands-on. Even when it's 10 below zero, people stand with me and give out the food. I mean, it's just, it's a we thing. I love saying that. Yeah. I am, I'm, you know, I'm inspired by it because it takes a, 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 a special type of person to believe in this vision and keep it up with little resources and, and, and turn it into the growth of, you know, what it's become. Um, what are significant achievements you've received throughout your career in this, in this path you've taken? Well, um, that's, that's a hard one yeah. because um, there are some awards that have been given. Mm-hmm. People can find those on the website. You know, people can mm-hmm. see. Uh, we don't do this for yeah, yeah, that, oh, for, sure, for sure. But I think whenever I am in the f- face of and in the embrace of any of our people mm-hmm. who who really get what we're doing here and are really grateful for it and are transformed, see the word. When you talk about core values, yeah. one of our favorite words is transformation. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about changing people, you know, there's something arrogant about privileged people that's just built in. And privileged people, there are many privileged people that I have come to know and you know mm-hmm. who are conscienced people, very compassionate, self-examine and identify the areas of their life where they are somewhat, by being privileged, just kind of automatically yes. arrogant. Mm-hmm. And they they deal with that. You know, I want to give credit to the people who who address that yes. know, by their humility and their conscience. Um, but there is something about wanting to fix people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you come into this and you see the lives are, are so difficult of the people that live in these situations in this neighborhood and in the, the lifestyles of homelessness and poverty that there is something that kicks in and it's like, oh, I want to fix that. Well, that's not how we do. You know, we, we journey together. 
we journey together. Yeah. And, and so in the oneness that we create here, which is amazing, where people are actually brother and sister and forget what color somebody's skin is, you know, yeah. um, in that, the person from the central city is transformed. Mm -hmm. It changes that person, but it changes the person from the suburbs too wonderfully. They are transformed by that oneness that we create here. Yeah. It's an amazing thing, and it's what the world needs more of. So transformation, mutual transformation, is the core value that we can get really excited about, especially in this extremely... So the type of achievement is, 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 is transformation, and yeah. that's awesome. Um, walk me through a normal day here at the, the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Well, I do a lot of time in my office, too, but uh, the outreach days are, are very special because we do bring people in and provide for their needs but create community while yeah. we're doing that. What know? days are those? Tuesdays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. But then on Mondays and Wednesdays, this is a crisis center. Yes. And we have then the showers, of course, but we do a whole lot for people going through crisis situations. But then we, on Saturdays... We now have lead testing for children under 10. One of the things about this neighborhood that we're in, lead it is, has the most lead contamination yeah. in Wisconsin, more than Flint, Michigan. Oh, my. Yeah. And so we have our own leader, Katie Doss, is our own in-house yeah. constituent leader, and she leads our program on, home, on lead testing and lead awareness, and we have partnered with Children's Hospital Children's Hospital yes, partnered with us because they saw the credibility we have with the people here, yep. and they knew that people would come. So mm -hmm. we've done 10 clinics with children's, and in the 10 clinics, 108 children were tested under 10, and 80% of them, 80% of them had a very <sighs> troubling lead levels. So they'll get treatment. Yeah. And they'll get follow up and all. So well, bless we're your heart. Continue to do that. We're bless your heart because you know th these are the things that are overlooked, um, and the type of communities that don't have much. And it, you know, when I hear these stories, it it it, it hurts because this is this is my upbringing wasn't it was it was we didn't have much. Yeah. And a lot of people like to hide that, and I don't because I feel that defines who I become as a person but you know when you hear heartbreaking you know results like that 80 percent you know and so th part of what you're helping us do is we want the people in milwaukee who are who have what they need and and are you know pretty assured of a good life to yeah. hear the cry of this you know and, and i think part of what happens is this kind of thing takes place because there is a cry for help, and yeah. then the help comes, not by me or not by throngs of people who have this, like, told them you go there and do this, but because it becomes, you know, that that there was a need for a program of this scope yeah. to come into this neighborhood. People showed up when we began here. We gave out bag lunches, and people, some of them would say from this neighborhood, oh, good, I'll have food today. 
Yeah. And that's when we woke up to the fact this is like the food-scarce neighborhood of Wisconsin. That's when we started to put as much priority on food yes. as we do on helping people with their housing and other situations because this is the most extreme food desert in Wisconsin. The people, some of them were skin and bones when we came here yeah. because if you don't have a car and you don't know anybody with a car, all you have are these little storefront mm -hmm. stores to buy the food. And those mainly sell soda, malt liquor, potato chips, chips. and blunts. Yeah. Very little food in the store and certainly not nutritious food. So when we started to bring in SUVs full of fresh produce, free don't have to show an ID to get it. Don't have to fight any kind of argument to get it. Yeah. It just, people could, you could just see the change in their faces, you know, with that. Then we saw the change in their bodies because they weren't skin and bones anymore after a while. But we have the gardens. You see, we have all, yeah. we have the gardens now. We're going to have the aquaponics system. We're going to have the meal program. We're already and have been since 2017, yeah. providing a, a week's worth of food to over 200 people a week. Oh, my. Yes, and never run out, thanks That's, to all our donors. Yeah, well, I mean, thank you to all the donors. Because this That's is okay. one week at a time, day at a time, hour at a time, you're making a change in someone's life. You're making that day and that situation that much e like easier for them to bear, because I I can't you know especially when I was going through homelessness it was I think the feelings that I felt were that no one cared, and that's the total opposite, and, you know um, right. it's people do care, it's it's finding havens like this that you know change that view. And um, it, it says a lot, you know, community is everything through this platform. That's what I, I focus. My children are going to watch this or listen to this and they're going to see these stories. And this this story right here is most important because it's a story no one ever thinks of. And that's the, it's sad to say that, but it's the truth. So bringing awareness to this, I, I feel, um, you know, is most important. Especially here in Milwaukee. Here in Milwaukee, man, you know, we, we're such a small city, but we have so much power. We have so much power to change the, the view, the perspective. Thank you. And, you know, I, I, you know this, it, it touches me that you, you, you do this type of work out of, and you really expect nothing in return. That's that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> but I would like to go back to your question about yeah. what do I consider an achievement? Because there was this time where I discovered earlier um, that funders sometimes have you identify what do you consider a good outcome of yeah. the grant that we have given you. You know, give us a grant. Say, okay, identify what do you see as outcomes? Yeah. How many people got a job? How many people got housing, how many people overcame their addictions and things like that. Yeah. But I said, some of that isn't on there. No, on their list, I said, after being with homeless people and people in poverty all that time, yeah. I was like, 
How about a listing? Somebody who's been suicidal every day for three years all of a sudden isn't suicidal anymore. Yeah. That, to me, is an achievement. Because I've had someone come up to me and say, you know, I was going to take my life today, but I came into the sanctuary and I had so much fun I forgot all about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but achievement of somebody who walks around with this look like nobody cares about me, whether I mm -hmm. live or die, and I don't care about me, Yeah. and I don't care about anything. So mm -hmm. they have that look, but all of a sudden, one day, they have a light in their eyes. Yeah. That's, to me, that's an achievement. achievement. What's your view of, the, of the, the community you serve and your belief regarding their worth and value? Well, I think they are the precious people of God, of course. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you can find that in scriptures, but I just believe that because of the, the amazing resilience and heroism of so many of them, just even staying alive through what they've been through, and you understand yes. that. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm witness to some of that. I'm witness to the tremendous loss of human potential by the conditions Set. which we have imposed upon mm -hmm. people in a neighborhood like this where there's, before we came along, there were very few resources. Scarce there. resources, yeah. Very scarce. And to have people all in that similar, similar um, level of need all crowded together in a forsakenness, you know, it is to have people not have hope, many of them not have hope. Yeah. Because day-to-day survival is so, Definitely. you know. And so to me, there is this possibility that we can, I, I see them as really capable of overcoming more than possibly they believe they can. I, I, I see them as being capable of overcoming the many disparities that have been put in their lives yeah. and become possibilities. Right now, so many of them, when we, there's no calculating the loss of human potential that is taking place in a neighborhood like this has the highest percentile of incarcerated black males, mm -hmm. not just here, but in the whole country. Oh. And talk about loss of human potential. Um, the schooling, you know, the educational opportunities, vocational opportunities, but even just the being in a, a, a culture that is going to encourage boys and girls, young men, young women to dream dreams and believe that their dreams are going to really happen. I mean, yeah. it's very, it's, we, we are giving hopefully some new ideas yeah. to our people who never believed that they would be able to achieve more than what they have. Does that make sense? To oh, you? definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
What do you wish your legacy to be in this lifelong pursuit of helping others? It would be uh, happy to me if a, we have a sustainable community with transformation as the core value, where people aren't just transformed, but become agents of transformation. Yeah. And we do have some of that already. We do have people who became transformed and now they are agents of transformation. Yeah. That's, yeah. So if we have a, a mm -hmm. community that continues to, even without my intervention, you know, just even because of the nature of that oneness and the yeah. nature of that community, that solidarity to to just be a place where that happens. And, and move forward and help grow and help reach people that need it the most. Um, I definitely honor that. That's, that's a beautiful thing to say. Um, where do you see McCann and Brown Homeless Sanctuary in the next five years? We hope to achieve our campus vision. We hope to have all five floors running of this large building with yeah. all of that of the programs that hold so much for yeah. our people. But to have the campus vision, have it be a hub of employment, but be a place where the, it's sacred ground to walk mm -hmm. on, yes. sacred ground, and where hope is in the air, that yes. you can taste it and breathe it and yeah. walk around on that sacred ground. That's, that's what we hope. What advice would you give our, to our youth, our community, dealing with, homelessness at the moment to know that suicide is not the way not not ever never never and to pay attention to who cares about them and build on that build on the relationships they have with anyone who cares about them. Just build on that. Don't think about the other relationship. Don't let the other relationships fade away. Build on the relationships they have with people who care about them. Yeah. No other relationships matter mm -hmm. in that crisis. You, you are such an angel to Milwaukee and this community. Um, your vision in the little time that I've had here and showing me around, it's it's very inspiring to watch. Um, I appreciate you um, being able to set time out of your schedule to talk to me today. Um, now, going forward, um, what are ways people can contact or help or or reach out to assist the mission here? Yes, this thank you. great marvelous mission i totally back <laughs> well and and let me just say it's my honor to be interviewed by you and i am just ecstatic about uh, your vision and what you are doing with your path yeah. you know and because you are a transformational agent you are an agent of transformation that's what we all yeah. The city needs more of. And so I just want to do a back at you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 
So once again, the question. Yeah. Um, where, where can people, how can people reach out, help, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, assist the mission here? We have a number of volunteer opportunities. Yeah. That includes our new tutoring program. Yeah. Part of what's true in this neighborhood is the majority of the adults did not get beyond basic math and, and reading. Mm-hmm. So we have a tutoring program. It's wonderful. It's adults. Yes. And they're willing to be not ashamed because that holds people back. You know, they're ashamed. Yeah. But they, they need help with their basic reading and math, and we get them on the track to a GED. You know, there you there. go. Yeah. They can volunteer in our meal program. They can volunteer in our garden. They can volunteer with our frontline distributions on all various other ways that they can volunteer. What's your, and they can all do this through your website? Mm-hmm. And what's your website? www.m as in mother, b as in brown, sanctuary.org. That's M B S A N C T U ary.org and we do um, we are not money driven we have not been money driven all of my 30 years we are vision driven yeah and faith driven and we are very thankful for the financial support people give us and yeah. we invite people to give through our website or they can find there also how to send a check to us They can designate a check for various things and be updated on our building because our building and grounds and all that's going on with that, as you see, is very exciting. Yes, indeed. But more exciting than that is our community and our programming. Mm. People can uh, donate food and essential items. That's all on our website. Yeah. But um, whatever, I just invite people to listen to the yes Mm-hmm. This is a place where they can come. It's in the most dangerous neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We have never had violence one time here in the nine years we've been here. Never once. And what, where is uh, the sanctuary located? 24th Place and Center, 2461 West Center Street. And it is in the most dangerous neighborhood, but we have never had one incident of violence as a matter of fact, in my 30 years of leadership, we have never had one incident of violence. I feel like with these these areas, um, the community takes that into all respect. and um, They protect. They protect it rather than let it deteriorate. Yes, so that's, we know. have these suburban volunteers. We, mm-hmm. we have visiting student groups from colleges and universities and and people come here and we assure their safety. So that is a non-issue in terms of you know, people yeah. thinking of coming here. We give tours. Mm-hmm. People can come here for a tour. Uh, but we are just welcoming. We are very welcoming. Well, I appreciate you again. And uh, Ms. Uh, Sister Brown, um, I look forward to connecting with you more after this uh after this interview, um, it, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I promise you, from the set forth, um, I will definitely be an advocate of your mission, 
And I hope everyone else that is listening to this episode feels the same way because um, we are a community. We are all one. And uh, we, you know, it's, we got to come together for things like this. So I appreciate you sharing your time. And uh, with that, spearhead out.